Wow, thank you, Jonathan. Hey, good morning, everyone. How are you? Good to see you. My name's Pastor Rick. If you would, stand with me. We'll open the service by reading a little out of Psalm 93. All right, verse 1. The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed. He has girded himself with strength. Surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. Let's stop there and pray. Heavenly Father, you are awesome. Thank you, God, for your love and your grace found in Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd fill this place so that everyone would come to know you deeper today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, believer, communion has been set up around the sanctuary, so at any time, please partake of communion. Jesus, he passed the bread around, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Then he got his cup, and he, he said, this is a symbol of my blood spilled for the remission of sins. As often as we take the communion, we're remembering what Jesus Christ did for us. So at any time during the worship service, enjoy communion. God bless you guys. Say hello to one another.
Thank you for awakening our hearts this morning in this place. God, I pray as we enter this time of worship, Lord, that you would be present in this place, Lord, that you'd be ministering to our hearts, God, that we would allow you to have your way with our lives, God, that your will would be accomplished. I pray that your favor would be poured upon us, that your peace would be poured upon us, God, and the craziness of this world. I pray that we'd be able to set aside this time for you. Free us of distractions, of burdens, of worries, of the cares of this world, God, we want to dedicate this time to you and ask that you to have your way in your name. Amen.
my way when sorrows like sea billows roll Take a moment this morning and continue in the attitude of worship as we welcome our friend, Angel.
first and the last You'll be our that won't pass Cause you're an infinite of glass oh. You're the top and the bottom Summer, spring, winter, autumn You're at the start
Wow, Angel, thank you so much. I have not heard a voice like that in Christian music. Thank you so much. That was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, I saw him on uh, Spotify, and people were asking last, last service, where do I find him? It's Angel Wilson. I found him on Sp- Spotify uh, last service. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, hey, my name's Pastor Rick. Uh, this is a fun time. Let's check out these video announcements together. What are you doing? Packing for winter camp. What is that? An umbrella. Umbrella? Uh, safety stuff. Safety stuff? A jacket. A tactical vest. A thing. A dinosaur. A dinosaur? Well, I kind of want to go to winter camp. When is it? It's March 8th through the 10th. Okay, do you have to pay anything or is it for free? Uh, you do have to pay. There's a deposit actually due the 21st of this month. It's $50. $50. Okay. Hey, why is there still trash on the floor? There's nothing there. I swept and vacuumed. You said you're not going to use this jacket. Throw it away. What jacket? You cannot see this jacket that I'm holding right. Are hey, you they're okay? here. They're here. The ring door went off. Hurry up. My goodness. Welcome. Guys, we're here for the home Bible study. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm surprised you could come here to this. Theater. Anyways, please come inside. Come inside. Please have a seat. Have, have a, a yes. seat. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you in our humble abode. Yes, always, always. If you would like more details about the home Bible study, check the lobby for their brochure. What, what book would you guys like to study today? I, I like Romans. I like Romans too. Ooh. Not not Romans too, but Romans like I like it. You 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 know my meaning. <laughs> In case you're wondering what takes place before home Bible studies. Well, junior high and high school students, you guys can make your way toward the lobby. If it's your first time here, uh, they'll uh, be back in the lobby after the service. They're going to meet their teachers. I also want to point out that offering has been set up. We have boxes around the sanctuary and in the lobby. You could use the online giving option if you guys would like. While our students are making their way out, my good friend Rami Otaki, would you come up and close us in prayer? God bless you guys. Father, Lord, first and foremost, just thank you for another beautiful day to live and breathe, Father God. Just thank you for the opportunities that we have here. Uh, Just bless the message as Greg gives it. And just help us every day to just live for you, Father God. And we can do something every day to lead people to Jesus, Father God. We pray these things in your name. Amen. That was a little bit too long, Rami. Hogging up all the time. Good morning, good morning. 
We're going to be in Luke chapter 19 this morning, starting in verse 11. But I have a slide up here. I love this little formula. It reminds me that we have to have our expectation set right, which means I believe by the word of God, not merely by what we want to happen because disappointment, disillusionment, discouragement is when you have an expectation that is unfulfilled. That's when we get all frustrated and some people get angry. In the Olivet Discourse, uh, Matthew chapter 24, Jesus answered his disciples' question when they said, tell us about the signs of your coming and of the end of the age. When's the, what do we look for that the world is gonna end, basically? And it's interesting that many of the things that typically set off end-of-the-world hysteria and book sales... <laughs> Many of those things, Jesus said, none of these are the sign of the end. And yet, those are the things that many times people start sounding alarms and people get distracted. In Luke chapter 19, the text we're going to look at this morning, by a parable, by a parable, Jesus is setting the expectation of his disciples right so they can avoid... He wants us to avoid being disillusioned, disappointed, you know, discouraged, depressed. That we might have our expectations set by God's word. In the parable in our text this morning, Jesus is saying in essence that the culmination of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, like we're praying, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He says in this parable that it's going to be delayed longer than you might expect. It's going to be delayed longer than you might expect. And he lets them know, he lets us know what we are to be doing in what I call the meantime. The time between now and when he comes. It's the meantime. And it can be, like I've said before, a really mean time. You know, this life is not heaven. This isn't heaven yet. We're not home yet. This is a refinery, the Bible tells us. It's a time of testing. It's a time of preparation. But Jesus has just passed through Jericho, the setting that we're going to look at here, where he tells this parable. He's just gone through Jericho. He healed blind Bartimaeus, if you remember, from three or four weeks ago. And then he had lunch with the mafia kingpin named Zacchaeus. The guy was a t rich tax collector that everybody hated. And Jesus hung out with him and changed his life. It says, then on the way to Jerusalem, verse 11, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem. Notice this. And because they thought that the kingdom of God would appear immediately. So why is he going to tell this next parable? because he knows that in the minds of his disciples, their expectation is not set by the word of God. It's not set right. And they are set up for disappointment, disillusionment, depression, and all these things. So he's gonna tell this parable because their expectation is wrong. And so 
approaching Jerusalem here with the Passover. It's right at the time of the Passover. There'll be some two million people streaming into the city for the fat Passover feast. The disciples and many of the first century Jews, not just Jesus' disciples, but the majority of the people wrongly have their expectations set by their strong political desire to be free from Rome's oppression and heavy taxation. Okay, their expectation is that Jesus is right now gonna overthrow the Roman government. That there's actually, they're thinking there's gonna be a slaughter and they're gonna join him and this is not what is gonna happen. This is not what's gonna happen. To the contrary, Jesus isn't gonna kill anybody, and he never did. But he's gonna lay his life down. See how far their expectation was off? They were all set up for radical disillusionment, disappointment, because they hadn't been listening to the word of God. But this is what they wanted, okay? And I sympathize. I sympathize with them. There's all sorts of stuff that I want politically. You know, we have our political issues and there's, I have my opinions and political desires, but I wanna be careful that I don't let my desires for what I want set my expectation because I don't want to find myself disillusioned, disappointed, depressed and all these things when God is clearly laying out what we should expect. And I wonder how many of my expectations, when I was studying this, I'm I'm asking myself, how many of my expectations have been set by what I want and not by what God's word is? How much have I set myself up for disappointment, disillusionment, and all these things? In this parable, Jesus sets their expectation right, and he uses, interestingly, the principles of investment. Okay? Now, I'm very... Too many churches talk about money, too many pastors are trying to get people's money, which is total, totally sick, okay? Jesus was never after people's money. God doesn't need our money. He's doing very well. <laughs> um, but Jesus is gonna talk about investment. I grew up in a household where my dad talked to me and my brothers, my brother and my sisters about investment on a weekly basis. My dad was a pilot, an airline pilot, and he also, his other occupation was investment. And, he, he, and, and I've always been hesitant to, cher- to share any of this stuff in church because pastors go after people's money. But Jesus here, he's talking investment. I feel totally at home. I feel like my dad's here, <laughs> you know. This whole section He's talking about investing. What he also expects us to be doing here in the meantime, between now and when he comes. So notice what he says. He says, therefore, verse 12, he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Okay, again, he's telling this, as we just saw in verse 11, because 
they are expecting that the kingdom will appear immediately. And so he's telling them this parable because that is a wrong expectation they have. And so he starts out saying there was a certain nobleman who went to a far country to receive a kingdom and then to return. In other words, it's going to be a lot longer than you expect. Okay, it's not going to happen immediately. And so this guy in the story here, he called 10 of his servants and he delivered to them 10 minas. Now a mina is a unit of currency. It's, a, it's an amount of money. We'll talk about that in a minute. So the guy's going away on a long journey to a far country to receive a kingdom and then return. But before he goes, he gathers 10 of his servants and he gives them each this certain amount of money, each. And notice his instruction. Do business until I come. Some of you have the old King James. I had an old King James Bible for the first 15 years I was a Christian. Beautiful, poetic. But here Jesus says in the old King James, occupy until I come. And that's where we get our word occupation. Don't quit your job, (laughs) in other words. Don't stop doing what I've gifted you and I've called you to do your vocation, your occupation, okay? Expect it to be longer. And while I'm gone, I want you doing business. It's interesting in the Olivet Discourse that I referred to earlier, Jesus said in essence there that all the crises that we commonly associate with the end of the world, none of them are the sign of the end. He says in essence there in Matthew 24, don't freak out, don't sound the alarm over every war, every rumor of war, you know, every earthquake, every new virus or pestilence that comes on the scene. He says right in there, don't be alarmed. And yet, many people being sensational sound of the alarm, and a lot of people get distracted from doing business until he comes, and they become preoccupied, and Jesus said, I don't want you doing that. Until I come, I want you doing business, and we're gonna see here, his illustration is that of investing. Now, before we move on, the sign of the end, by the way, Jesus did give the sign of the end. It's not wars and rumors of wars, it's not earthquakes, and it's not novel viruses appearing. But the sign of the end is when you see the Antichrist standing in the newly built temple in Jerusalem, declaring himself to be God. Jesus said, quit your job then. (laughs) Run, you know, because now, your redemption is now. But until then, Keep your day job. (laughs) And we're going to see here, he's he's saying, I want you to invest, invest your lives, invest everything that I've entrusted to you. And for some of you, that means go to college. For some of you, it means go to more college. Get your master's or your doctorate degree. For others of you, it means perfect that skill that God has given you. To others, it means if God brings the right person at the right time, get married. Invest in that relationship. To others, it means have some kids and pour into the kids and pay attention to the kids. For others, it means start that business. 
Start the business that you have had in your heart. For others, it means practice that athletic thing that you've been specially gifted with. Every one of us has been entrusted with something. And you're not the same as me. What you're gonna be pouring into will be different than me. But we're to be investing in what God has entrusted to us. And all of us, if we're wise, We'll be investing in the gospel. We'll be sowing seeds. We'll be praying and asking God to set us up with divine appointments. Okay, now maybe you're like, I can't do that, pastor. You know what? I can't do it either. This whole share of the gospel with people, Jesus doesn't expect you to be able to do it. He said, without me, you can do nothing. You know what? Try praying. Try praying in the morning and saying, God, I can't do this. Set me up, Lord, with a divine appointment where someone's practically just asking me and pulling it out of me. Watch what God does, you know? I remember one time I was on the bus in Hungary going to one of the churches we planted and my heart started racing because I felt like the Lord was telling me to share the gospel with the person sitting next to me on the bus. And I'm like going, God, I can't do this, Lord. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like an intrusive type guy, you know, and I don't like it when people like butt in on my day and I'm sitting here, God, God hit the ball into my court, right? I've got this thing, uh, and I'm, hit, I'm just like, I'm gonna hit the ball back. <laughs> we'll play some tennis here, Lord. I'm in the middle of playing tennis with God, hitting it back, going, I can't do this, and the person taps on my shoulder and says, what's that book sticking out of your backpack? <laughs> That's my Bible. <laughs> A half hour later, the person was blown away by the gospel. I, did, I couldn't do it, but I asked God, that morning, God set me up. I can't do anything, Lord, but you can set me up. You know, and I want to invest in this because the word of God and the souls of people are the two things in this life that are gonna last forever. Everything else is gonna pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said. But he tells us in the word that his word lasts forever in the souls of human beings. I'm interested in investing in the ultimate futures, which is people and the word of God, the gospel of God. So to each of these 10 servants is given an equal amount of money, which a mina is about three months wages for the average worker there in the first century, okay? In California, the average wage the average wage of a worker today is about sixty to $65,000. So $15,000 is about a mina in today's economy. These servants are expected to do business. They've been entrusted with about $15,000. And the, the, the nobleman is going away to a far country. He's gonna return with his kingdom and he's gonna wanna know, what did you do with what I entrusted you. I want you to do business. I want you to invest what I give you, is what he says. But notice these other fellows come into this story, and we'll look at them later, but the citizens hated him. So there's the servants and there's the citizens, two separate groups of people here. And the citizens sent a delegation after him, the nobleman, saying, we will not reign over, this man will not reign over us. Okay, they hated him. They didn't want him to reign over him. There's these two groups of people. We're gonna return back to them later in the parable. 
But it says in verse 15, and so it was when he returned from the far country, having received the kingdom, he then commanded the servants. So there's this first category of people that he's given $15,000 each to them to whom he had given the money to be called to him, he summons them and he, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Okay, he's talking here the language of investment. Okay, he's talking the language of the stock market. How much have you gained by trading? What I've given you. Then came the first, the first of the servants saying, Master, your mina, notice how the the words he uses here, your mina has gained 10 minas. In other words, 10 times return, a thousand percent return on your investment. You know, if he started with $15,000, he's now holding back to the master $150,000. And the Nobleman says to this first servant, well done, good servant, because you were faithful in very little. And this is how God views money, as something very little, okay? He views his word, the gospel, and the souls of people as huge, as huge things, okay? He views money as little. Because you have been faithful in the little, in money stuff, I'm giving you authority over 10 cities. He gained 10 times, and so he's gonna get 10 cities. Notice the reward for multiplying what had been entrusted to him was to be entrusted with more. The reward of, of multiplying what had been entrusted to him was to be given more trust. Okay, this is how it works. He gained 10 times, so he's, gonna, he's given authority over 10 cities in the kingdom of God. And the second servant came, saying, Master, your mina has gained five. And likewise, the nobleman said to him, you also be over five cities. That's, this is interesting to me that both of these guys credited the mina for the increase, not their own efforts or their own intelligence or skill. And this is a very strong principle of investing. Investing is putting your money where it can do the work, okay? And these guys are recognizing that. This is how it, it works, and it shouldn't surprise us, you know, that Jesus, who was Jewish, (laughs) you know, that he's the most famous Jew that ever lived. And if your anti-Semitism is causing you to gnash your teeth right now, deal with it. God called Abraham, multiplied him, and said, through you, I'm gonna bring blessing to the entire world. And that was the seed of Abraham, Jesus, who brings salvation to all people. Okay, it shouldn't surprise us that, Jew, that Jesus, who was Jewish, raised in a Jewish culture, knew the principles of investment. Okay, the Jews have had these principles of, of investment in their culture for thousands of years. 
There's a reason why they're skilled at multiplying finances. The Proverbs are filled with principles about money and investing. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse one and two, cast your bread upon the water, it says. And in many, after many days, it will return, it, a return on the investment. And then it says, send it out in seven different ways because you don't know what calamities will hit the earth. In other words, invest your money and there will be a return, and when you do it, diversify your investment. This was thousands of years ago in the Jewish culture, and there's a reason why doctors and lawyers, remember this guy Moses received the law of God on Mount Sinai? Well, this Jewish culture, they've been thinking on this and discussing it with rabbis, with all their kids, you know, for thousands of years. It's no wonder they're good at law. They've been thinking about these things for thousands of years. In medicine, there's principles given in the Bible that today, there's cultures today that haven't even come to these medical ideas yet of quarantine and of you know, cleanliness and things. There's a reason why this culture, here Jesus, it shouldn't surprise us that he's speaking here the language of investment. He grew up in this culture. Okay, notice this is about what we are to be doing between now and when he returns. What we're to be doing in this meantime. We're to be investing everything that God has entrusted to us. We're not to be getting sensational and to be sounding alarms at every war, every rumor of war, every earthquake, every pestilence, we're not to be, read it in, in Matthew 24 again. He said, don't be alarmed at these things, but this is what we are to be doing. We're to be investing, we're to be giving ourselves to multiplying what God has given to us. And then another came, so a third one of these servants came and said, Master, here's your mina. I wrapped it up in a handkerchief, put it under my mattress. I'm just, I'm giving you back what you gave me. He didn't invest it. God told him to invest, right? To do business, to trade, to multiply it. So instead of putting that $15,000 into a, you know, a, a mutual fund for 20 years, <laughs> he put it into a handkerchief under his mattress you know, if you put $15,000 at 20 years old into the S&P 500, if it continues to do what it's done since it started 70 years, 75 years ago, and you wait till you're 60, you'll have a million dollars without adding anything else to it. $15,000 into a mutual fund, a S&P 500 fund. You don't have to pay anybody any fees. You just stick it in there yourself and you invest it, 10, 11% compounding interest, by the time you're 60, you got a million dollars. A lot of people don't do it because they can't defer their gratification. I can't put that in there and wait. 15,000, I can get new rims on my car, man. <laughs> you know, or whatever. But everybody that does it ends up with that money. 
So the third servant gives his excuse for his disobedience. Notice he says, I feared you because you're an austere man. Now this is in the parable. This isn't a direct correlation to God, but this is the story Jesus is telling him. This guy saying, I, I, I knew you were austere and you, that you collect what you don't deposit and you're so powerful that I thought he, don't, he doesn't need my help. You know, I'll just take what he gave me and then give it back to him. And, and he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man collecting what I didn't deposit, reaping what I don't sow. You knew, if you knew I was so powerful, why didn't you just do what I asked you to do? Invest it. Why then did you put my money in the bank? Why didn't you put my money in the bank at least? You know, that at my coming I might receive it back with some interest, which is the least risky lowest yield possible on any money is to stick your money in the bank, okay? And especially in the last 10, 15 years, the, the interest rate has been less, like a fraction of 1%. It's jumped up lately, by the way, like 4 or 5% now you can get. When I was a kid, I remember my dad taking me to the Bank of America in Fallbrook, opening my first bank account. He got my little bank book, you know, I'm like seven years old or whatever, 10 years old. And they were giving 7 to 8% interest a year in the bank. Okay, that's long gone. But it's popped back up. 3 4% you can get in some banks. I'm just saying, okay? So this third servant didn't even put the money in the bank to earn that little, the lowest yield possible from a bank. And Jesus is telling this in his story. You could have at least put it in the bank so I could have gotten a little something. You know, 15,000 at 4% over 40 years, you could, in a bank account, would turn into 75,000. You know, but here this guy gives him back the 15, and you know what, the 15's not even 15 anymore because something's eaten it up, right? What's that stuff called? It starts with a big I. Inflation. This, Jesus is talking about this stuff, okay? It's not the focus of this message, but the full counsel of scripture on this topic, if we, if we took time, and we're not going to, but if you take all the Bible passages that speak about money in this way, the counsel of God to us with finances, with money, is to give some to the Lord, to others, to enjoy some of it, and to invest the rest. This is the full counsel of God on this topic. I looked up all the verses once and reduced it all down. We're to be giving to the Lord, to others, to needs, to the gospel. We're to be enjoying what God's blessed us with. Paul commanded Timothy. He said, Timothy, command the rich that they be not haughty putting their trust in uncertain riches, but in God who gives us all things richly to enjoy. He says, exhort them to be giving, to share, that they might lay up for themselves eternal riches, okay? God says, command them, Timothy, those that are rich, don't trust in the riches, but to enjoy, enjoy what God's blessed you with it's share and give. And so give some, 
enjoy some, invest the rest, and then you can give more, enjoy more, and invest more. Okay, this is what God instructs his people to do. And it's not just investing money. Money is the least on the list. Okay, it's the least thing. There's other things that are way more valuable that he wants us investing. Like our minds, he wants you to invest in your mind by reading, by growing, read books, your talents, by practicing that instrument. You never know what that will lead to or open. Maybe you have a martial arts belt. Go for the next belt. Get the black belt, get the second degree or whatever it is that you're doing. Jesus wants us investing in the meantime, not sounding alarms, not withdrawing from life, okay? In this time between now and when his kingdom is culminated on earth, in all we do, the most lasting of these investments, according to the scripture, is our investment into people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, the word of God lasts forever in the souls of human beings. So let us invest is his exhortation. This third servant blew it. He disobediently put what was entrusted to him in a handkerchief and buried it and he got no increase. The Lord is saying, that, I, 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 I don't want you to be doing that. Okay? And so the nobleman said, notice... Verse 24, he said to those who stood by, take that mina from him and give it to him who has 10. Give it to the guy who's gonna multiply it for me. God wants a return on his investment, you know. He wants a return. He wants your life to be filled and growing and blessed and multiplying in every way, okay? But they said to a master, the guy has 10 minas already. He already has 10. And Jesus said, well, I say to you that everyone who has will be given and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. I'm serious about this, about your life. I want you to be investing your life. I want you to be, to be growing in your mind, in your gifting, in your talents, in the things I've entrusted to you. This is the point he's making, he's being very strong here. This guy will remain a servant, okay? He will remain in God's house, but he's, getting, he's missing out on greater rewards is what's happening here. Notice next, the master, this nobleman, he addresses the issue of the citizens that we were introduced to earlier, this other category of people that hated the nobleman and said, we will not have this man reign over us. Jesus, the, 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 in the parable it says, bring these enemies of mine that did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. Wow, that's pretty strong. These are not the servants, these are citizens that hated him, that didn't want him ruling over them. The main point of the parable is clear. The kingdom will be delayed longer than you want. Okay, you know when I want the kingdom to come? Right now. <laughs> I've been coughing for like five days, not sleeping well, I'm jet lagging. Pastor Ed and I went to Israel over there to visit families of the hostages and 
to just to go and show support to these people that are suffering and my back hurts right now. I've been miserable for days. It's, I want you to come back right now, Lord. You know, it's not about what I want, <laughs> you know. Well, maybe after the Super Bowl, because I'm looking forward to Brock Purdy winning the Super Bowl. This Brock Purdy kid, have you been following that kid? I'm sorry if you're a Rams fan or a Cowboys fan or whatever. I just, I'm loving watching that guy. He was the last guy picked. Okay, number 265. They give him every year the last, I'm, I'm digressing here for a second. The last guy picked every year, they give him a, a jersey that says Mr. Irrelevant. This kid is up for the MVP. He is Mr. Irrelevant. He loves the Lord too. And he's te- he, you can find his testimony all over the internet. I've been watching this anyway. What do I want, Lord? <laughs> I want you to come back right now, but I want you to wait till after the Super Bowl because I'm hoping Brock Purdy wins it. All of that's irrelevant. Whenever he comes, he wants me, he wants you to be doing business till he comes, to occupy till he comes, to be investing everything in anything that he's entrusted to us. That's the point of the parable. That's the point here of the parable. This is what we are to be doing in the meantime. His coming might be on the verge. Wouldn't that be nice? Maybe it's this afternoon. That would be amazing. We won't be disappointed if we miss the Super Bowl if Jesus comes today but we're to be doing business till he comes. We're to take every opportunity, especially to be sharing the gospel. I wanna close with one final verse out of Daniel chapter 12, verse three. Daniel 12, verse three. Those who are wise, Daniel says, those who are wise, like the wise servant that multiplied into 10 times, into five times, those that didn't put it in a handkerchief and stick it under so inflation could eat it away down to nothing. Those that are wise will shine like the brightness of the firmament. Maybe some of you have forgotten that there's a brightness of the firmament because we have so much light pollution here in the Inland Empire, we never see the Milky Way galaxy. Have Have you ever seen it with your own eyes? Anybody never seen the Milky Way? Wow, gotta go to Arizona, bro out into some remote town, you'll just be in awe. You'll lay down for hours just going, wow, the brightness of the firmament. Well, those that are wise will shine. Where's my verse there, guys? You got me pointing up here to nothing. (laughs) You got that verse from Daniel up there? There we go. They'll shine like the brightness of the firmament, those that turn many to righteousness. Okay, this is investing the word of the Lord, the gospel of Jesus into the souls of people, these two things that will last forever. They're the wise ones, okay? There's the wise ones. They will shine like stars forever and ever. It's a promise of God. You want to talk about investing in the ultimate futures market? That's it right there, people. 
the gospel into people's hearts, but I can't do it, Pastor, I'm too shy. Then he knows you're too shy. Pray, and watch what he does. People will tap you on the shoulder saying, hey, what's that book sticking out of your backpack? And next thing you know, you're in a conversation. Lord, we thank you, we praise you for this parable, this clear instruction. Lord, we look around at our world and it seems, Lord, it just seems like the, we're on the verge. But Lord, you don't want us to get distracted, to be disappointed, to be disillusioned. You want us to be doing business all the way up until you come. Lord, may we each figure out what that means in each of our lives. And may by your grace and the power of your spirit, may we be engaging in that. We ask all of this to your glory and our greater joy. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed, said out loud together. Hey, let's stand up and we'll close with one final song together, and then we'll be dismissed. Let's sing together, all stand. So all stand with all. stand with arms high to so all stand with arms high and heart abandoned within all of the one who gave it all we all stand my soul Lord to you surrendered all I am is yours here this morning and the gospel has been planted in your heart and watered and it's germinating inside of you and it's your day to receive Christ. I'm going to be on the edge of the stage. Please come down, pray with me or if you want to pray with these guys over here, we have a prayer team. If you need prayer for anything, head over and be prayed for but don't leave without getting that settled with God. The rest of you give each other a high five, whatever you do and we'll see you next week. God bless you.